everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today we're here with Dennis Green. Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure having you part of our podcast. Cheers, Oli. Very, very happy to be here and, and, and talk to you. And hopefully I can deliver some interesting insights on sports industry in China. Absolutely. And, and I mean, like you're touching right upon it. We're going to talk about, you know, how to create value for a digital audience in China. And more than ever, you know, the digital audience is a key factor, you know, considering the pandemic, everything, you know, going on. So I think we have a lot of interesting elements to discuss around this. And but before we do that, uh, you know, Dennis, I, I think it would be great, you know, if you could share a little bit about your background and experience. So our viewers, listeners can get a better sense of like who you are, what you're doing. And then we dive more into, you know, the, the main topic of the day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So to, to cut a long story short, um, I, um, I studied in, I'm from Manchester, from England, from the red side of Manchester, big right, man United right. fan. <laughs> and I, I studied in Sheffield. I did right. my degree in, in media and journalism. And right. then I did my master's degree in sports journalism. Nice. And this led to a summer gig in India, in Delhi, at the Commonwealth Games, um, working as a flash quote reporter nice. uh, at various events at the Commonwealth Games. Um, yeah, yeah. Went back to the UK. You know, I was, I was 21. I was, I was single. I was bored. What, what, yeah. what to do? Um, <laughs> So I decided I, I wanted to, to travel, to, to, to go abroad, have an adventure. Right. Um, decided that, that China would be um, a challenge, be, be an sure. interesting country to, to visit, to work in, to live in. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have any real intention of how long I would stay in China. It was more right. of let's go and see what happens. Um, sure. So I, I first started out in China almost 10 years ago now. Nice. Um, and I was doing a bit of teaching of English. I was doing some studying of Chinese. I was doing some freelance writing. Right. And this, this lasted for about two to three years. Nice. Um, and then I got to that point of, well, you know, do I, do I stay or do I go? Right. Um, and just before I was sort of about to come back to the UK, I, I got a job in Beijing working nice. as a journalist. Yeah. Uh, for a, for a sort of government media, government owned media enterprise. Um, writing about all things China, you know, yeah. in sport, tech, right. entertainment, things yeah. like that. Um, did that for a couple of years. Be being a journalist in China, as I'm sure you're aware, is tough. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of things that you can't really write about or talk about. Hmm. Um, and then I, I moved to a company called Le Sports, which was part of a mother company that was Le TV. Right. And this company now no longer exists. But at its time, it was trying to take on the world. It, it had, you know, um, activities going on in uh, sports, in uh, TVs, in mobile, in electric vehicles. Yeah. It basically wanted to be the Apple, Amazon, Netflix, all rolled into one. It was a very grand vision. Yeah, um, they raised a lot of money. <laughs> they spent a lot of money. Right. And they ended up collapsing. It was a great three years. I, I, I was yeah, basically yeah. working at a digital sports broadcaster. Nice. And they had the rights to the Premier League, all the US sports, you, nice. you name it. They had the yeah, rights yeah. in China and they had it on their OTT platform, which right. was the first time any company had done OTT in China. Right. Um, 
so fun few years there and then Imagine. as soon as that company started to sort of fall and, and evaporate yeah. I, I joined the guys at Mailman uh, which is where I am now and I've been here three years uh, nice. three years tomorrow actually will be my, oh, my cool. three year anniversary um, and yeah, so I, I head up the, the PR and communications department at Mailman, um, and it's been it's been great working here. We're based in Shanghai. It's the, the global HQ of the company. Yeah, um, and we're a, we're a sports digital marketing agency, um, and yeah, you know, in in a nutshell, that that's been my my ten years in in China. It's gone quickly, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but China's an incredible place. Um, never did I think I'd do a decade here. Right. But it, right. if but you here you are. Put, <laughs> but here I am. If you put your mind to it, I think learning the language is very. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sort of conversational. That opens a lot of doors. Right. Um, For sure. It's it's not the easiest place to live. You know, I've lived yeah. in more rural places in China over my ten years, but Shanghai is very very convenient for a, for a foreigner for a Westerner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I enjoy living here. Don't think I'll be here forever, but <laughs> y you never know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, it's fun exploring a little bit around. And I think, as you said, is, uh, you know, what I think, you know, people should take from just, just this right away is like, sometimes you just gotta, you know, go for it and at least try, you know, and then, you know, maybe that's a year, maybe that's six months, maybe that's, you know, ending up being 10 years. You don't know. Exactly, exactly. Um, I've known people who have been here six months, six weeks, yeah. 25 years, you know, it, right. it, it's not for everyone. But yeah, and that's um, fine. If you, yeah, yeah but you, you, you definitely have to give back, give something back to China, you have to invest time in learning the language, the right, culture. 100%. And once you do that, you'll realize you'll get a lot more out of China. Because right. people will respect that you have, you know, taken time to, to learn key things about the country and the people so it, it's Absolutely. about a lot of respect there yeah yeah but i mean like wherever you go in the world like we always talk about like you know if you're gonna study somewhere or work somewhere you know learn learn the the basic culture you know learn take take the first steps of like you know if you try to learn the language try to you know understand the mechanisms of wherever that is and like you know obviously i went to yeah. the u.s and it's a little bit easier transition but it's it's still different, you know, and you still gotta like, you know, it is, yeah. their, their ways of doing things. And, you know, it's, it's like, you also gotta respect, you know, how they do things and how, how they are, even if like, okay, we do some stuff differently in Norway, which is naturally, but you know, this, this is just part of like your way of like, okay, I'm here, you know, I gotta, you know, learn as much as I can and, and utilize it and not just be, you know, stuck in my ways and how I, how we do things. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise it just it's a bit of a wasted opportunity, especially Absolutely. somewhere like China. Like, right. You know, well, it's, no, more, it's more, not next door. Yeah, probably more than the, more than the you know the typical European country or or so forth. It's a, like the culture also is extremely strong, you know, in in China, uh, which I yeah. think you know going to be very very key. But let's talk a little bit about Mailman Group and and sort of like what is you obviously mentioned it's like an agency, but what kind of role do Mailman Group have in the sport industry? So Mailman Group, which comprises of Mailman and Seven League, which I'll come to in a bit. Yeah. Um, so Mailman's a global sports digital agency and consultancy. Yeah. We're headquartered in Shanghai. We have about 140 people working here in Shanghai. 
Nice. And then we have a hub in Singapore, um, which is our Southeast Asia hub. We have about 10, 15 people in Singapore. And then we have country managers in South Korea, Japan, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, all, all those countries yeah. um, where we can service our clients. Uh, and then we have a small office in the US, in Los Angeles. Nice. And we have our London office, which is Seven League. Um, Mailman acquired Seven League probably about two years ago now. Okay. And they're Europe's leading sports digital consultancy. Mm. Um, and it helps sort of complement, you know, what we do as an agency, um, bringing on their expertise as a consultancy. Uh, so Ch Mailman originally is it's China's leading sports digital agency. We work with about 50 clients across China, nice. and they are a combination of sports federations, organizations, clubs, players, and brands. And right. what Mailman does is it's help grow these brands and these sports properties, help grow their business, um, and help them, at the end of the day, try and make money in, in a very key international market for these properties. And services range typically from social media at the core, mm. but then we do a lot of original content with our in-house studio. Yeah. We do digital strategy, we do their e-commerce, we do their PR, nice. um, media rights, sponsorship. It's a, it's a very sort of right. holistic scope of work. Yeah. Um, we listened to our clients. They wanted to, obviously they were in China working with us and they wanted to be in Southeast Asia. They said, yeah. can you do it for us? We go, yes. <laughs> um, so then then we, we open up in, in Southeast Asia. Um, so the real sort of goal is to become a, a global sports agency and consultancy where we can grow the businesses of our clients you know, as one company rather than them having to have an individual agency in 15, right. 20 different regions. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, obviously, you know, it's a step by step by step, you know, process and it's an interesting, sure. you know, you know, model. But I think like, you know, as as you're building now, you know, obviously you have already offices in, in the US and, and and London with the, obviously the the other the other company that you guys are, are have a, have acquired. But but it gives you like some foot footstamps and some opportunity to like you know dive deeper into those markets and taking taking more and more of the of the shares uh you know market share and sure yeah when i when i arrived three years ago we only yeah. had shanghai office we had right, about so, 70 people so within three years we've doubled headcount here we've opened in singapore and us and we've acquired a company in london so it's it's right. been a great three years so, and you so, know it, Going the right direction. <laughs> it's going the right direction. Yeah. It's, it's bit, you know, and you know, COVID nineteen has obviously been a huge impact on the industry. Yeah. And a huge financial impact. For sure. But in a roundabout way, it's it's accelerated digital. It's accelerated digital trends. Yeah. And it's made digital even more important in in, right. in the modern day. And being a digital first agency. Yeah, it's you know we're we're now even more important to our clients, in helping them, you know, utilize these digital platforms and, and give them more of a voice in, in, a, in a region when there's been less live sport, fans can't be present at games. So it's it, you know it, we're in a good place at the moment. Yeah. So so let's talk about obviously you know the the, the current situation and you know obviously it's a it's a very challenging time and 
you know, as you mentioned, the value of a digital audience, you know, is has been extremely powerful and it is extremely powerful. Not only, you know, be like obviously before COVID too, but like now in this situation, like everyone is doing something digitally and, and the importance of speaking to your audience because they're not coming to your stadium. They're not coming like physically to wherever you want to do. Um, like what are like, how can essentially, you know, brands, entities, you know, make the most out of the situation? How are you guys, you know, taking advantage of the situation to, you know, elevate and make the most out of, you know, the clients that you have, you know, to, to help them essentially grow their businesses? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit different for us because we're, you know, we're doing digital strategy for, for our clients in, in China and in Southeast yeah. Asia. So a lot of the fans here, they're not able to attend games in person anyway. So it's different right. than if, for example, you were a football fan in the UK and you can't attend games. It's, you know, yeah. how are they going to make this product digital and more interactive and entertaining? Um, right. so, so during the period of no liar games in China, it was, it was challenging to come up with new ways to keep fans entertained yeah. when there was no live sport. But it was actually a good thing because it gets you thinking more creatively and out of the box you, have, right. you, you can't just rely on your regular weekly routine of build up to matches pre-match yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> during post-match and then you know fill a content throughout the week so yeah you know for example we work with uh, bvb in mm. china for Dortmund. yeah yeah and they were due to play schalke just before covid19 basically stopped all bundesliga yeah. games right and we had organized a, a live viewing party of that game mm. And then 24 hours before kickoff, the game was cancelled. And the fans yeah. were like, we still want to do something with the club, even though there's no game. Yeah. So we ended up turning it into a virtual fan party online, That's cool. where we, we integrated all the partners and the sponsors and the head office in China and various other aspects and fan yeah. leaders and entertainment aspects. And created this two-hour online fan party that ended up getting millions of views, a really inter interactive way between the fans and, and the staff in China and yeah. a couple of mentions from people in, in Germany. So, right. you know, it was about thinking on, on your feet and, and yeah. thinking of new ways to create entertainment and making it as interactive as possible right. and giving the fans a platform, giving them a voice yeah. and, a, and basically creating an online community um, to, to rally together. Um, so, you know, that's an example of how we had to sort of, you know, react quickly. Right. Um, very, to, very, to very quickly too. <laughs> it, it was very quickly and we're glad we did it. And there was a lot of yeah. learnings from it as well. Right. Um, you know, we, we established our studio about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And that's given us a real sort of new, um, way of creating quick to market, original localized content in right. China for China, which yeah. is really important um, right. because we did game shows and quiz shows and legend shows and, and all these kind of things with, with our clients, which um, have been really successful. <clears throat> yeah. It gives us a great platform to help them produce uh, interesting content. Because maybe 10 years ago, you could, you could pull content from global channels, right. put Chinese subtitles on, and then get away with it. Yeah. But... China's changed so much. Fans expect more. They demand right. more. And they, they expect more something important. different. 
you know, like they expect something that speaks to them, you know, and that are tailor made to their market, their needs, you know, which, which yeah. makes sense. You know, people yeah, are, you know, they're like sponsors, are like, well, why would I invest in this, you know, organization if they're not doing things that are for the China market and, it, and right. not unique? What, what's the selling point here? And yeah. fans are like, well, why should I, you know, buy their merchandise, buy their products if they're not really caring or catering for yeah. us in, in China? So not really it, speaking it, to us, you know, like in a, in a sense. You've got to show them respect. You know, yeah. Ch Chinese fans are very passionate fans. Um, and, and they want to feel, they want to feel loved. They want to feel like right. they're being talked to and respected. So you have to really, um, you know, do as much as you can in, in market um, to do this. Looking into the future, the beginner faces a choice that leads him to the triumph or not. Being surrounded by like-minded professionals can be the best guarantee that you actually take that crucial career step. Sport in Global is a digital network for sports jobs. It gives you the chance to be involved in the sports industry no matter who you are, regardless of gender, nationality, and experience. Our AI system matches up talent with human resources. Candidates who align with the company's values and needs immediately get shortlisted. It saves time for HR and increases the opportunities available to applicants. The platform identifies tailor-made recommendations based on user needs, so you're always aware of the possibilities out there right now. SportIn Global is a place where students gain key tips about jobs and build the valuable connections that are essential for people at the beginning of their career path. The path from candidate to champion starts with a single step in the right direction. Sign up to Sport in Global. Sport in Global, the best way to enter the sports industry. Yeah, and I think like, you, you touched upon something, you know, very important in terms of creativity, right? And I think, uh, you know, I had, I had some recent talks and we talked all, obviously about this situation being you know, where, where crisis leads to innovation, you know, the sort of like the typical, you know, staple, but at the same time, um, it, you have to do it, you know, like it, it's like adapt or die, right? Sort of in, in a sense where, um, you know, now it's the time to actually, you know, look, look at things differently. And, and yes, you will have situation where, you know, okay, you maybe have only, you know, 24 hours and you have to make something happen which is you know fantastic and then you also realize okay well this is a different and new format that we can build upon and learn from it and, and as you know of course like I would assume even if you know you guys got a lot of great results uh, you know from that live event you probably learned you know tons of things that you're like oh this is oh, how sure. we, you know improve this so much you know for the next one because now we only had like you know limited time we just had to make something work and we were being creative but now we can like fine-tune it and we can maybe you know make it into like uh you know a proper how can i say product or service you know that you can offer your, oh, your clients 100 percent. no definitely and you know we did three four five more of those fan parties for, for bbb and we've done nice. 10 15 others for other clients as well and you know you're right you, you learn every time you do one you learn yeah. from the mistakes you create new ways to Right. to make it entertaining because the same fans will be coming back and they'll demand right. something different. That's true. That's true. And yeah. I was thinking like, uh, if we look a little bit in terms of, you know, 
um, like working with like you know obviously you know you have uh, you know your some uh, some offices in in Europe like with the London office and what kind of elements like the European brands or like DVB right which is one of your clients like what do they have to think about when approaching the Asian market I know you talked a little bit about like you know obviously respecting their culture showing like you know that you care but like what ex like what separates it's like what 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 can they do and like what is some things that they have to think about you know going into that uh, Chinese market yeah it's it, it's a good question um, whenever we're approached by 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 potential potential clients you know that yeah they're generally at different stages of their of their China journey right um, you know they could be on very sort of entry level where yeah. they've not even been to China before they could have already been here five years and they're looking for, you know, a unique idea or a campaign. Yeah. Um, but in general, you know, we always say to clients, you've got to be in China for the long term. Right. There is no short fix in China of coming here, making a few million dollars and then leaving. Right. It just doesn't happen. No one's yeah. ever done it. Probably the best and most successful case study is the MBA. Yeah. Because they, they first came to China in, I think it was the late 70s. The late David Stern came out here knocking on the doors of CCTV with videotapes of NBA replays and nice, you know, trying to get it in front of as many people as possible. Right. And, you know, and it's no secret that they are now the most successful international sports property in China with the biggest following, oh, sure. making the most money, even though they had some, some crises late last year with, yeah. with the, the Daryl Mori issue, they're still way head and shoulders above the rest because yeah. they've been in here for the long term, they found the right partners, they've done their right. research, they've made local partnerships, government connections, and established a very sustainable and profitable business in, in China. Right. Um, so we always say, if you're gonna to come to China, have patience, yeah. be in it for the long term, do your research, you know, pick your partners carefully, um, take a very localized approach, Hire local people on the ground to be your eyes and ears. Right. Um, and again, have more patience because <laughs> it does it does take time. No matter who you are, you could be the MBA yeah. or you could be a small team. It, right. You know, success won't happen overnight, and you, you can't really treat China as one country anymore. It's such right. a big country, yeah, yeah. one point four billion people, that you right. almost have to treat China like a continent. Yeah, which has yeah. different provinces where people speak different, you know, local languages, different cuisines, different tastes, yeah. different mindsets. So we always, you know, when you when you're also coming your here, starting point will be important, right? Like, what kind of like where do you put your base? Like, where do you essentially end? Like, where's your entry entry point in China too? I think will be important, right? And probably you know some guidance there in collaboration with you guys of like mapping out where does it make sense? You know, in terms of like is this more of a you know, basketball region? Is this more of a, you know, football, soccer oh, region? Like, you know, these kind of factors will be important. Yeah, and you've got to come in with your own unique sort of way of doing things. You know, you don't just want to be, you know, launching a social, doing what all the other accounts yeah. are doing. 100%. You're not going to stand out. You know, Chinese fans, that they want to be proud of their teams and they want to, they want to show off and... Um, highlight why their club is unique and different. Um, so ha coming in with a, with a very you know, unique and specific approach to China, knowing yeah. exactly what you want to do, 
researching and knowing who your target audience is, who are your communities, where are they, who are right. the key people, who do you need to speak to. All this needs to be really well thought out. You can't just come and land in China and go, okay, <laughs> let's launch a, a social channel. Right, um, 100%. There's a lot of planning, but, and, you know, German clubs probably do this more than any others, is, you know, having a base here, having an office here, having a presence yeah. is so important because it gives you that day-to-day -day interaction with your fans, with your partners, with the local communities right. and the government, rather than trying to do it from an office 9,000 miles away. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. And as I say, like, you know, you need, like, the local people, you know, to be part of this and, and you know, no stakeholders and outs, you know, and, and like, yeah. the, the secrets, the secret sauce, you know, of, like, understanding, you know, the, the mechanisms and, and how to make the most out of, you know, the different yeah. markets, who do you speak with? As and, and how to do business here. Doing business in China is totally right. different than anywhere else. <laughs> right. A, a contract doesn't necessarily mean anything it's like you know um, there's, there's a lot to learn you know there's there, there's, there, there's so much and china china changes so quickly yeah um the speed of you know it's a mobile first market um but things change so quickly you know doyin didn't didn't exist a few years ago and now yeah. it just announced that it hit 600 million daily active users yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal how crazy. how quick these things can catch on and, and grow. China yeah. does things at speed. It really, yeah. really does. Well, I mean, like it's kind of in their uh, in their blood <laughs> or in the culture. I would say, like it goes goes super but, fast. Yeah, and Ch China had its sort of industrial revolution a lot later than international countries did. So, you know, when they started building their infrastructure and technologies and railway stations and airports. They had all the latest and newest products, whereas, you know, for example, the UK, they had its um, industrial revolution much earlier. And, you know, right. they're still trying to get to terms with the new, the new norm of, of technology and infrastructure. Right. So uh, just just the wrapping up a little bit on mailing group and like, how do you guys, you know, obviously you were talking a little bit like what kind of tasks you guys are doing but what are what are some of like the key things to think about for you guys when you're helping organizations grow their business in china like what is your focus like how do you like what is your value proposition how do you help them you know what is your main focus when you're you know getting approached by clients or what what uh you know potential clients you guys are reaching out to yeah i mean at the end of the day it's no secret everybody wants to come to china to make money yeah you know, else why, what else would they come here? Right. But, you know, that has, to, that has to be a bit of an afterthought. Um, right. when, we're, when we're sort of talking to clients and we're giving them advice on coming to China and growing the business, you know, it, it's really about establishing their reputation and growing, establishing right. growing a, a, a core fan base yep. within yep. the region, um, first and foremost. Giving yourself a, a product that, when you go to market to potential partners or sponsors or looking to get branded content or sponsors for your digital content, you have a product that, you know, is, is powerful and unique and, right. you know, make, makes these brands want to, want to partner with. Um, and I think also you need to, you need to invest in, in the communities and invest in the grassroots. Uh, right. Everybody knows that, that Xi Jinping has a, has a grand plan for Chinese football to, to host a world cup and eventually, um, win a World Cup. 
should right. be, be a long time away yet. But you know, the, the ambition is there, and yeah, yeah, it's very it's very important that sports organisations align with the government's goals. Right. Whatever the government's mandate is, if you can stick to that and follow that, but in your own way, then right. you're you're on the right track. Nice. Um, but it, you know, like I said with your previous question, it does take time, and yeah. you you have to you have to invest in. Um, in the country and invest in your brand in the, in right. the market before you start launching your e-commerce channels or you start, you know, putting your presentation in front of partners to get them to, to put money behind your brand here and, and right. help it grow. It's about taking that first step essentially and showcasing that, you know, we're, we're in there for the long run and we're interested in like, not only of course, like here to like gain revenue and earn money, but we're actually here to contribute and give something back yeah. and, it, and it's about having a realistic you know vision of china right everybody sees the 1.4 billion people number right and they go oh if we can just have one percentage of that it's still a 140 million people right you know if you the, the sports industry in china is incredibly small right. when you compare it to the entertainment industry or the lifestyle and fashion industries you know even right. the esports industry is, is burgeoning now yeah. um so you have to break it down you know 1.4 billion people sure but then you know relatively there's probably 100 million sports fans right and then you have to break those sports fans down into different sports and then right. into your own team so yeah you know it, it's not realistic to look at china and go <laughs> oh 1.4 billion let's try and pick a percentage of that you have right. to be very realistic. Um, yeah. And not until sort of 15 years ago was sports readily available to watch on right. you know, TV channels and more recently digital channels and platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the older generations grow up not really watching international sports. Right. So you're only sort of looking at the, at a, you know, 35 years and below who right. have genuine interest in these sports. And, and now you've got this big challenger coming in called eSports, which is right. absolutely huge in China and is only going to get bigger and bigger. So right. then it's like, well, how do they collaborate with eSports? So how, how do they, you know, fight that competition? Right. Um, it's a hugely competitive market. There's so many new platforms launching, like, you know, Douyin a few years ago. Yeah. Now you've got Billy Billy and Kwaisho and all these new platforms that... Right are really targeting the, the, the younger generations, you know, right. not, not the millennials or the Gen Zs, but the, the alphas and, and, and so yeah, on. Yeah. Um, so there's a real sort of battle for an attention for eyeballs in, in, the, in the economy here. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And I think you bring up something very important and, and that is, you know, what exactly is your market size? You know, and like, of course, like, yeah, as you said, there may be 100 million fans, but then there's, you know, Part of it, and then I think also like you know for European brands, particularly and maybe like U.S. brands, uh, you know, like taking advantage of like you know the growth of esports, you know, which has obviously you know been starting to you know uh, also you know had their presence in in Europe and like obviously in the U.S. before before it kind of like started going to Europe too. But but that sort of like you know might be you know a, a way of attracting more eyeballs and and creating that loyal you know, fan, fan engagement to, to your team as well, as long as you can tie it up, of course, and it makes sense and it's unique. But I think, I think that might be, might be a key factor, um, you know, moving. Yeah. Yeah. And something else we've seen a lot of and what we do with our clients now, especially during the current situation where 
teams can't come to China for summer tours or player player yeah. visits with their with their exactly. with their brands is giving fans in China more of a voice, yeah. more of a platform. So there's a lot of core ambassadors now for, for our clients who mm. are you know they're content creators themselves. Right. They're the ones who are the key voices in the WeChat groups in the communities. Right. WeChat groups are a very powerful way now of having a direct message sent to your, your, yeah. your core fan communities in different regions, right. um, and, you know, incentivizing them saying, you know, you, you, you produce 10 pieces of content for your own channels as an official ambassador and will incentivize you with passes to our games and sign yeah. jerseys. And, nice. you know, you have the title of an, an official ambassador for, for your favorite team or league. Yeah. Um, so giving fans more of a voice is great. Yeah. And, um, fans like to watch content from other fans because yeah, they're, they're like-minded people. Right, and they can create content that they know will work and entertain other fans. No, for sure. And and just just to start kind of like wrapping up here, and I think you know we've been covering a lot of different things uh, in terms of like you know obviously the value of digital audience and and kind of like the stay status of the Chinese market, which I think like we can probably talk, you know, a long time about like just understanding the mechanisms because I'm already learning like so much. And I think there's so many people here on the, the listening to this podcast that are like not aware of like, you know, how the Chinese market works, uh, you know, in, in depth, of course. Um, we're, we're, and- we're all learning. I, I, I can't <laughs> call myself an expert. We, we learn every day. So right. We go, with right. The, we go with the flow here because it, it changes so quickly, you know, yeah, right. Things can happen within a week and, you yeah. know, things have changed. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And I mean, like, that's, that's sports for you, right? It's fresh. It's always fresh. You know, there's always something new coming up. It's exciting. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but what, what kind of, like, tips do you have, though, for, for students, particularly, like, or young professionals looking to explore, you know, the Chinese sports market? Like, what would be, like, a good starting point? And, like, yeah, where, where should you start, you know? Um, subscribe to the mailman China Sports Business Weekly. I <laughs> <laughs> was, was like a first, the perfect first start. <laughs> perfect start, yeah. A weekly wrap up of all the news in China. I can send you the link. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. just all the news in, in China. We'll, um, we'll share it. Yeah. Um, there, there's many, many sort of resources out there. There's, there's blogs, there, there's podcasts that you can listen to. Um, that, you know, if, if you sort of, uh, follow a few key people, a few influ- uh, influential voices on, on China sports. Right. I can send you a few names. Would would be good to keep up with yeah. the market. Um, just build up your interest in China. Right. Um, whether you whether you want to come out here and and work in the industry, you know, learn learn the language, look at potential opportunities that can get you out here. You know, right. it, it took me um, four to five years before I landed in the sports industry here. Right. Albeit it wasn't my initial intention. Um, right. It, it still took a while and it, it took patience, but there's huge opportunities here to, to come and work in the, in the, in the growing sports industry. Yeah. Um, so getting on LinkedIn, making connections with people, reaching out, uh, asking questions, you know, I'm sure all my colleagues at Mailman are always happy to pick up the phone and, and speak to people who want to know and learn about China. Right. Um, yeah, do, do, there's, there's plenty of re- resources and information online as well. You know, yeah. the Mailman website's good. <laughs> just just yeah. plugging in the company just there. Just plugging um, in. Uh, I mean, like being say, proactive, right? I think like just being, uh, you know, taking yeah. the step. And I, I think there's a couple of things you talk about too, like in terms of, 
uh, you know, how important the culture and like the language is, you know, there. And, and I mean, like, if, if this is something that you're, uh, you know, who's listening out there, like wants to like work or study there, like now's the time, you know, maybe you have like some extra hours to like start learning, you know, these, these sort of yeah, things. Just get, get, get interested in, interested in China. It's a fascinating country Absolutely. with fascinating people. And the more you read about it and learn about it, the more yeah. you want to know. It's like opening up a door into the unknown and then you yeah. just gradually sort of get, get to know more and more. And it's, it's incredible because from the outside, yeah. China's like, it's like Mars. It just right. seems like another world. <laughs> so no, it's, it's, it's very really good. And, and focusing more yeah. than just eating the food, you know? Like. <laughs> exactly. You've really, you've got to go ahead first. You've got to, right. you know, it's, there's no other way. You can't just sort of skim around the outside of Chinese or about the culture. You, you just got to go full on in and, and you'll love it or you, you won't, but yeah, there's only yeah. one way to find out. Right. No, it's, it's a very good point. And, and with that, Dennis, I, I would just like to thank you, you know, so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us today. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, learned a lot about at least like a sneak peek of like the, the Chinese market, trying to understand a little bit, you know, how especially you guys are working with the, you know, bringing the European brands into, into China and, and kind of like some of the things that you have to think about and utilizing, you know, the digital audience. So I, I truly appreciate it and thank you so much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome, mate. <laughs> so so with any any video we we finish, we always uh, wrap up with this nuggets, which means see you later in Norwegian. Snackers. There you go. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs>